A pleasant good evening to you. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Untapped Potential right here on TDN Radio. I am your host, Dr. Simone, and it is wonderful to be here with you for another episode, another power-up session of Untapped Potential right here on TDN Radio. Um, it is a beautiful day down here in Georgia. I hope it is beautiful in your area. Unfortunately, uh, Louisiana and it cannot say the same because, as you may know, they experienced the impact of Hurricane Ida on Sunday. So we keep Louisiana in our press today. As a matter of fact, I think I heard that it is the worst hurricane to have impacted Louisiana since, I believe, 1850. So quite a significant event for Louisiana. So we keep them in our prayers and we wish them a speedy recovery as they get ready to deal with the recovery effort from Hurricane Ida. So how are you? I hope that you're enjoying a great day. I hope that you've had a productive Monday um, so far and that the rest of the week is looking to be quite productive for you. So welcome to the program. As always, we like to start the program off with this, off of the spirit of gratitude. So as a reminder, remember to find one or a few things to be grateful today. As for me, I'm grateful for the, the, the cooler weather in our area. I was able to go for a lovely run on Monday morning, so I am certainly appreciative of the cooler weather down here in Georgia. So let's get the show on the road. We have another wonderfully packed program for you this evening. I know last week I mentioned that we would have Miss Fadina Frampton, but instead of Fadina's interview, I want to bring you a special presentation from a group named Surviving Storms. So this is a young man from Dominica Heritage. His name is Dr. Adam Philogen Heron, and he's of Dominican heritage, but he grew up in the UK. And he and a few other people have started this organization called Surviving Storms, where in essence, what they're doing is documenting the history of hurricanes in Dominica so that they can create a map, a map of Dominica to show the most hazardous areas of the island. So very, very important work. So I was very fortunate to have them approach me to do a Facebook Live to moderate their Facebook Live event where they're presenting their work to Dominica and the world because as you will find from the interview I will play today, there is implication for Dominica as well as the other Caribbean islands. Now this is going to be a two-part series because the actual interview was about an hour and a half on Facebook and due to our time constraints here with this program, we will play the first half of the program and then next week I will bring you the second half of the program and I think you'll find it quite fascinating and they're actually looking for your contribution in a very significant way with a simple phone call. So I hope that you will listen for the phone number, which will be played either this time around, or I believe it might be the second half of the program next week. So they will eventually provide a phone number that you can call in and talk about your experiences with Hurricane David, Hurricane Maria, Tropical Storm Erica, or any other particular weather system, which 
it has impacted you significantly while you were in Dominica or if you're still in Dominica. So they're looking forward to hearing from you. So I thought that we would have this interview, which of course was conducted via Facebook Live, and I would bring it to you today so we can get the ball rolling on that. So again, thank you for being here. As you can see, today is the last day of August. So the year is quickly speeding along, whether we like it or not. <laughs> the year is speeding around. So just as a reminder, remember when we come here each and every Tuesday from 5.30 Eastern Time, it is a reminder that we have important life goals that we ought to be working on. So how are your goals going? How are your goals for this year going? As for me, I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> My goals are coming along nicely and much of it surrounds being able to reach as many people of Dominican and Caribbean heritage as possible to continue to inspire us, to continue to motivate us, and to continue to share the light on our products, our uh, businesses, our talents, and our skills. So this is going along very nicely, and I'm happy for the opportunities to be able to showcase everything that we as Dominican and Caribbean people truly are. So again, thank you for being here. Welcome to the program. Of course, we will start off with a song of inspiration. And this time around, I thought I would bring you a wonderful song written by Arnold Tula out of Dominica. And the singer is Hermina George. So a collaboration between Mr. Arnold Tula and Miss Hermina George. So I think you will enjoy this number as we get started on the program. So take a listen to this one, a song entitled This Land of Mine, again being sung by Hermina George. And then stay tuned because we'll go right into the Facebook Live interview we recorded with surviving storms. So I think you will find this information quite interesting. So stay tuned, enjoy this number, and then stay tuned for the Facebook Live interview. Across the sky, the sun has sent its colors straight to my eyes, and I know, yes, I know, this is my cry. I love this land of mine, the country air is blowing. The a valley's mist is glowing A waterfall So I know, yes I know This is my cry I love this land of mine We'll build this land of ours As we move from strength to strength Gaining I know this is my cry. I love this land of mine. We'll build this land of ours as we move from strength to strength, gaining every nation's respect, humbled but better one and 
special thank you to Annette Philip for coming on board as the latest sponsor of Untapped Potential. Annette is an innovator, she's a trailblazer, and she's always looking for an opportunity to advance herself. So thank you, Annette, for being our latest sponsor of Untapped Potential. And for more information about Annette, the author, you can visit her page at sammythebunny.com. So again, that is sammythebunny.com. And Annette is now also a consultant for Touchstone Jewelry. So for more information, you can contact her via her website, sammythebunny.com. And again, we say a special good evening to you, Annette. And we say thank you for believing in the work that we do here uh, through Untapped Potential. And thank you for signing on as a sponsor to the program. Joined by Dr. Adam Philogen Heron, Mrs. Delia Cuffey-Wicks and Miss Kayla and Geese, and they're going to tell us all about surviving the storm. So let us welcome them as they introduce themselves and they tell us where they're joining us from and how they became involved in the project. So let me go ahead and bring in everyone and unmute their mics so they will be able to join in the conversation. And Adam, if it's okay with you, I think we will go ahead and get started with you and I will monitor the answer to the trivia question <laughs> as you're introducing yourself. So just tell us who you are, where you're joining us from, and a little bit more about the project. So good afternoon, everybody, or good evening, according to where you are in the world. My name is Dr. Adam Philogen Heron. I'm a lecturer in anthropology um, at Goldsmiths University in London, the University of London, um, with Dominican roots roots uh, in Collyhoe um, and also in Portsmouth. Um, and I'm the kind of lead researcher on the Surviving Storms project. Um, I'm joining you at the moment from Wallhouse in Dominica, um, not far from some of, the, some of the key places that we'll be speaking about later on as to where our project takes place. Um, as far as my memory goes, and again, these aren't direct experiences, but more from my um, understanding of the literature, as well as especially stories that people have shared with me about Hurricane David and Tropical Storm Erica, as well as as well as Maria, through the voices of family members and so on, um, and also folks that we've been doing research with. But my mem if my memory serves me correctly, 18th of September was was spot on in terms of the the, the day of landfall um, for Maria. To my mind, Hurricane David was the 29th of August, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And to my mind, Tropical Storm Erica is the 27th of August, if I'm not mistaken. And those are the kind of days of landfall. But of course, the effects will have been felt both before and after, as we know, when the, 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 the kind of the, the passing of landfall of the, of, of the storm itself um, is something different from the weather system when it begins and, and when it ends. So that's my, that's my understanding, but you will have to correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Now let's go over to uh, Mrs. Delia Cuffey-Weeks and she'll introduce herself and tell us where she's joining us from and how she got involved in the project. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Bon après-midi tout le monde. I am Delia Cuffey-Weeks, originally from Grand Bay, but I now reside in Canefield. I have known Adam for a very long time, and he is the personality behind this research project. And as a matter of fact, anything to do with Dominica, any way that I can contribute in any way, I am always willing and most times able to assist. So this is no different. And I am going to put my whole thing on how the new broom sweeps clean, but the old broom knows the corners. And for the prayer loving people, can so make you can skip the old, make sure you, st you move forward with your memories of the good things that worked in the past. If it has worked before, we should not discard them. We should just add the new technology to it. So this is where I am coming from. Yes, thank you for that. And we all know Adelia as a cultural stalwart in Dominica. So, so very true what she said. 
that she's always ready to engage and to share her experience. And last but certainly not least, uh, Kayla, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, thank you. <laughs> My name is Kayla Angis. I'm an intern at Create Caribbean, a research institute um, with office in Dominica State College. And as a student, we have got the opportunity to work on the CCC project that is headed by Adam, Dr. Philogen. Um, so I got the opportunity to handle some very interesting material from the Dominican National Archive, because in my part of the project, I created a digital archive of the hurricanes that were recorded in history in Dominica through reports and stories and books and newspapers from old, old, old times, like the 1800s and so on. And then we also did interviews with people who had experienced Maria to tell their story. And um, something very important that um, I can pull off from this experience is that I always see the people telling their stories as protagonists that I can relate to, because you don't only learn from hurricanes what to do when a hurricane comes, but you also get to understand that, hey, I've been through that too. And it's a very enriching experience in general. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. So let's go back to uh, Dr. Philogen and just tell us what is surviving the storm? I think that's a good place um, to start up the conversation. So what is surviving the surviving storms? So surviving storms, the CCC project, it's got two names. I'm just going to lift myself up slightly just so you can see the t-shirt. On the one hand, we've got the CCC project, which is the, the slightly long academic sounding name. And then we've got surviving storms as it's more popularly known the project. Now, the reason we've got this first one, CCC, which is Caribbean cyclone cartography. So Caribbean, of course, is the region that we're in. Cyclones, of course, we're talking about storms. And cartography seems like a strange one, but that basically means making maps. And why are we interested in making maps? We realize that so much of Dominica's history, as Lennox Honey Church and as our own experiences tell us, so much of Dominica's history is informed by the landscape itself. Whitey Kubuli, tall is her body. So much of the effects of of, of, of hurricanes and the effects of the, the related hazards, landslides, river flooding, these different things have really directed the course of Dominica's history at very, very key moments. And so us, for us in this project, what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a map of Dominica, almost like a Google Maps with pins on it. And you'd be able to click on the pin in a specific community and it would bring up a story, a story of survival, a story of historical about historical architecture, those old time tikais that stand up so well against the storm, while sometimes concrete houses lose their roofs. You might be able to bring up a historic document, for example, that Kayla Ann has found, or we might get an oral history of somebody who's telling their story of how their farming, for instance, has been affected by storms. So surviving storms is how we're known locally, because if we tell people this long name here, sometimes they'll ask us, like, where did you come out with, this, with these ridiculous long titles? <laughs> so it's good for us to have this one too, because then it's, 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 um, it's much clearer. But what I wanted, to, a little short anecdote, I was on a field visit in, um, in Marigot recently, and I went to get some food before we'd started the field work. We were going to some women's farms in Calabishi and, and around that area, and I stopped in Marigot to get some food by the road. And the lady who I was buying the food from, she told me, she watched my t-shirt and she told me, what kind of storms you're teaching us to survive? And she looked very skeptical. And I said, no, 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 we're not teaching you to survive storms. You already have that knowledge. What we want to do is we want to create a space where we can record that information. And so Dominicans at home, overseas and so on of different generations are able to learn from those experiences. And hopefully that's able to enable us to to take on climate change more readily because we know these weather systems are becoming more intensified. And before I knew it, I was very surprised. I thought that was going to be the end of the conversation, but she then proceeded to tell me her story of Hurricane David. And before I knew it, I realized that we were having this rich conversation where I was learning so much in the process. And that was just in one brief encounter. So these moments tell us the value of this kind of work. Um, and I've been very inspired to work with Kayla Ann and to be working with uh, Delia and be to work, working with many others on the project um, as we move forward. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And Louisa Jean-Pierre, who is joining us from UK, we're actually early enough that she can, she's usually very late with us. So we're happy that we're on early so she can not be up at 12 midnight trying to catch a program. So Louisa, thank you for being here and thank you for everyone else who's joining us on the Facebook Live. Um, Shelly, Angela, 
uh, Alexander, we'll just use your last name, Dave Bertrand. Let's see who else we have here, Annabelle. And we have Tina Bell, the Ramon, and lots of other folks on the live. So thank you for being here. And Louisa wanted to know if she got the dates correct. She said, David, Hurricane David, 29th August. I think that's correct. Uh, Hurricane Maria, 28th. No, Hurricane Maria was? 18. September 18th. And Erica was actually August 27th. So I think... Let's see who got it correct. Let's see who the winner is. We have to acknowledge the winner. Shelly. Oh, no, Shelly. No, <laughs> so once again, let me just give the correct answer. So Hurricane Maria was uh, uh, the 18th of September. Yes. Hurricane David was the 29th of August. And Tropical Storm Erica was the 27th of august so just in case anybody was wondering what was the answer to the trick question so again thank you for being here everyone thank you for joining us so today we are talking about mapping hurricane hazards and survival of hurricanes in dominica because it is important to know what areas of dominica are most significantly impacted and as we go along the program you will see how you will be able to contribute to this very important project by simply sharing your experiences. So already start thinking about the experiences you've had with this hurricanes or any other tropical system in Dominica so you can help with this very important project. That is why we're coming to you to get your experiences so you can make a contribution to this very important work. So Delia, so over to you. Tell us about the importance of oral storytelling tradition and the value it provides to a project such as this one. Well, when Keller introduced herself, she spoke about accessing stuff at the archives. Now, the archives are very important, but not everybody has the know-how to get to the archives and to navigate their way. However, we have a wealth of information around us. The older folk, people who have had different experiences to ourselves. And if we just stop and listen, we can learn quite a lot. Because prior to Hurricane David, I had never experienced a hurricane. But people of my age would have mentioned that they had heard about the hurricanes of the 1930s. And that was information that was passed on from the older folk to the younger folk. And we have in Dominica, people don't really like to read, but for example, they will log into a program like this where they can listen, where they can get an opportunity to spell, spell out their own particular situation at the time. And so we believe a lot in, in talking, maybe because we have a parrot on our flag, but <laughs> our oral tradition is very, very, very strong. Mm -hmm. And we use it in our music, in our dance, in every part of our lives. And so if we were to lose our oral tradition, we would be almost like a nation without a foundation. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can go to ask them, where can I locate the National Archives? They don't know. But most people have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And they will back it up by telling you, but my neighbor told me, or my grandmother told me that her great-grandmother before her told her. And that is how we are able to catalog important events and it is very good that Adam is doing this work because people love to hear from other people. So it's not just some great historian who has had some great dream or has found some artifact that we don't even understand what the importance of it is, mm -hmm. but actually listening to flesh and blood people like us. Mm -hmm. who have lived the things, who have experienced things. I was looking at the, somebody put up a picture from the anniversary of Tropical Storm Erica. 
And there was this little girl with a stick and everybody would remember that child. That child who was walking, a little toddler with her walking stick. She must be six or seven years old now. But that remained with us. It painted a picture in our mind. Mm -hmm. And even an illiterate person can understand the significance of that. Mm -hmm. So it's an all-inclusive project where we give people a chance to listen to other people like themselves, so it's not just academics, but the man and the man and woman on the street. And also it gives them an opportunity to understand that their story is important. So if they have the means and they can log in, they can be included. They can share their particular experience because all of us have gone through certain experiences, but based on where we are at the time, our experience or perspective is different. So the oral transmission is critical. And I mean, I, I, I do not even know how to say thank you to Adam for that wonderful project because this is going to impact our lives for a very long time. Yes, I certainly agree as well. So thank you, Adam, for this very important project. And Kayla, I think Delia raised a very important question. She said, where is the National Archives? I don't know where it is. Where is it in Jamaica? <laughs> you know? It's, at the it's upstairs of the Documentation Center. And where is the Documentation That's Center? Financial Center. Excellent. Thank you for letting Thanks us know. For all so of you. If you, if you tell them, it's in the little building by the ministry with the post office downstairs, then people will know exactly where it is. Yeah, and you, you, you will notice we never call the street name, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> because in Dominica, nobody knows the street names. All we know is what building is next to what we, building. We, we, give them, we give them the names that we want. Absolutely. So the street or Jackson Shop Street. Yep. So mm -hmm. we're, we're referring to something that everybody's supposed to know. Right. And so they can actually locate what it is that we're talking about. You see, and, and, and Sabria Senhouse is on the live and she said she was wondering where it was. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, we have already started sharing information. Vital information. So Kayla, let me come back to you. And just tell us what is well, Create Caribbean and the role that it's played in this project, because I've never heard of Create Caribbean before we talked about this project. Okay, well, Create Caribbean, <laughs> Create Caribbean Institute, it's, um, it was created by our founder, Dr. Tyler Esprit, mm -hmm. and basically Create Caribbean engages young people, students from DSC, into we do research into caribbean history caribbean culture and heritage and we preserve it in a digital format so that it is easily accessible for academia related to caribbean history for example when i was young i had projects to do about Caribbean. everything i would get would be on wikipedia and then you know you cannot really you know it's people that put it there and then there's not much sources so then mm -hmm. create caribbean um assimilates that information and makes it available so that anybody looking for that information, it's there collated. For example, recently we did the Kari Sealand project um, where we have a map of different resources in the Caribbean, um, very close to what Adam is trying to do with mapping the stories across Dominica. And then we also have a docu-series as well as um, a conversation starter for people who might want to contribute to that sort of research and that sort of topic. Speaking of Caribbean futures in the current state of climate um, climate change. So Create Caribbean uh, joined up with the CCC project because our, our goals and our sites are really the same to encourage that um, available availability of information related to things that happen in our lives all the time, but then we don't have records of these things. You know, as you said, oral tradition is the richest way that information is passed down, but then when the stories stop being told, the stories get lost. So then this project and Create Caribbean's goal is to preserve these stories very carefully so that generations and generations and any academic needs can be met. Create Caribbean also focuses on um, digital humanities, um, technology, and education. So we take 
students who have a lot of passion in research, technology, but not necessarily their majors, like major tourism. <laughs> and I joined Create because I was very passionate about research in general. And then I was very excited to be able to learn programming, learn how to handle different equipment. So it's very enriching for me as a young person, as a student coming into adulthood as well. Lots of good mentors within us and a lot of older students as well, uh, past interns who also are very good role models to us. Yes, excellent. Thank you for sharing that and such an important resource. And let me just tell you, um, Kayla, on a side note, that I tend to love research, well, research as well. It will take you very far. Your love of research and investigating will take you very far. So keep that passion going. So before we continue, let's just go ahead and acknowledge everyone who's joining us on the Facebook Live again. So we have Marva Charles. Marva, thank you for being here. Christabel Philogen. Any relation, Adam? Uh, Christabel Philogen is here with us. So yes, thank my you. first cousin. Hi, cuz. We, we were just with each other yesterday, so I'm glad she's logged on. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Christopher. Hi, cuz. Thank you for being here. Cecilia Phipps, thank you for being here. Valerie, always nice to see you. Uh, Tina, thank you again for being here. And of course, Luisa. So, who has the cock coin in the background? That's me. <laughs> it, 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 it sounds like home, Delia. It sounds like home. So, for anyone who's just joining us, Adam, let's just go ahead and outline the concrete provide a concrete purpose goal and objectives of the project so we can follow along with the discussion so the the main aim of our project is to make dominicans more aware of the stories and of the hazards that surround them in relation to hurricanes and using that as a platform of knowledge to enable people to better be able to combat climate change we know that climate change is intensifying the weather systems that move in across the Atlantic, that originate in Africa, like the ancestors of most Dominicans, and that find their ways across the, their way across the Atlantic into the Caribbean, and in some instances develop into tropical cyclones or develop entirely into hurricanes. Um, and so, prompted by the the kind of the the goals of of the Dominican government um, proposing to become the first climate resilient nation on on Earth. We wanted to understand what's going on amongst communities, what's happening in the everyday lives of people that, has, that have enabled them over the years prior to this, this grand and important goal to survive so many hurricanes before Creed came into being, before you had all of these humanitarian agencies that come down. What was it that the people were doing that enabled them to pick themselves up, up dust themselves off and to, to continue life in the aftermath of these these terrible weather systems, whether that's the, going all the way back to the indigenous Kalinago, who some reports, some histor historical reports have told us were able to predict hurricanes as, as many as two weeks before they before they arrived in the region, um, or whether whether that's going forward to the Maroons, how they were affected, whether that's looking at the history of Hurricane David as Dominica moved towards independence. Mm -hmm. But as we think about the concrete objectives of the project, um, the aim is to make is to increase the ecological, informed e ecological citizenship of Dominicans. That sounds like a big word. What do we mean by that? Becoming aware of your surroundings and of the ways in which your knowledge of your surroundings can aid your survival effectively. Mm -hmm. And we've spoken so far about um, collaboration. We haven't called it that yet, but we talked especially about the work where we've been working with Create Caribbean. And the aim of Surviving Storms really, as well as being an archive to bring together all of this information, is also to spotlight the various different actors who've already been doing this work long before we came on the scene, long before this t-shirt was printed, long before I began this project. And that's work like the Carry Sealand project of Create Caribbean, headed by Dr. Shaila Esprit, who's one of our partners on the project. Um, she's in charge of, alongside me, in charge of the Dominica Story Project, which Kayla's also been involved in gathering the stories, the survival stories of folks in various different communities, mainly focusing on, on Lubia, um, where we where we have quite a few contacts and also as a kind of a, a case case study effectively. Um, also folks like Shape. So we're looking at the Tikais. We, we've gone around and we're doing a survey of the small wooden houses and how they were built using pegs to join their structures together so that they get stronger as the, as the materials fuse together, the shapes of the roofs, which are quite distinctive, as well as the way that their foundation are raised, are raised up to stop flooding and so on. We've partnered with Shape, um, who have recently been re reinvigorated, um, and with Marika Honeychurch, 
um, who's a fantastic photographer, and we've been going around and speaking to different folks within their houses, hearing the stories of folks who live in these houses, and hearing about how long those houses have been standing for, and what storms they've survived, and so on as well. So really what we're doing is we're building on the work that folks here have already been doing, mm -hmm. shedding a spotlight on that, but very importantly, I feel, bringing that all together in one place. Often we know as students and as, and as uh, researchers and as members of, of the public, we'll hear about this report being written, we'll hear about that report being written, but often we don't know where to find them. Like, as we were saying, we didn't know where the National Archives is. Very simple, survivingstorms.com, you'll be able to go to, and the aim is to bring together all of that information there. So that as much knowledge as we can gather about hurricane histories and hurricane survivals as possible will be available on that on that website and of course we know that not everybody has access to the internet but some people do have phones that they can use so we've also got a facebook which is also surviving storms and there we'll create all the links to the different materials that will be on the website so you'll be able to find a way there um, and also we can use in whatsapp to, to promote this call so we're going to do exactly the same for the site as well if there are specific there are lots of moving parts to the project, so if there are specific questions about how it all works and how it all functions, then I'll try and answer them as I go along, rather than just speak from my soapbox for hours and hours and take up the whole conversation. Yeah, excellent, and I'm happy you mentioned the website. So I went ahead and posted the, the website link to the comment section, so if anyone is interested, they will be able to click on it. And of course, Valerie says, it's only authentically Caribbean when the cock crows. So Delia, we're enjoying the background music. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing you can do about that. You live in Dominica and it's part of the, you know, the ambience of being in Dominica. So let's just talk about how far back the history, the research you were able to discover on hurricanes and tropical weather systems in Dominica, because I recently read The Maroons of Dominica, which is written by Dr. Thompson Fountain, and there was quite a bit of information that he was able to document about the experiences of the settlers in Dominica at the time on hurricanes. So how far back does your research go and what sources of information you were able to tap in? And that's a question for everyone on the panel. Kayla, did you wanna did you wanna jump in with anything from, from your Ah, uh, uh, yes. Well, the first few documents that I found was actually a newspaper from the New York Herald in 1813 of a disaster that occurred in Dominica. Um, I found further down while I was doing my research, I realized they don't really write about hurricanes. Actually, this hurricane in the newspaper and in New York's newspaper, it was a very had it had a, had a very um, detrimental. But that was the earliest. Yeah, I think she's her internet is not the strongest, but we're gonna be patient. Go ahead, Kayla. Yeah, I think uh, Kayla's internet so, is acting up. In the hurricane Try again. of eighteen thirteen. So it was recorded from the perspective of somebody else who was told about the hurricane. Because in Dominica at that time, they were not really writing about the hurricanes. They were just getting the materials to build back and then continue living. And so the person recording this hurricane, they spoke of how the wind traveled across Dominica, um, the different areas that were affected, how um, historically through history um, at school, we learned that the wind blew from the um, estate house and then down into the servant barracks. So that exact wind current ended up throwing the houses of the servants and all the workers on that estate off the cliff. So there was a lot of damage to um, Creole dense in Dominica at that time, while the um, estate houses were you know, destroyed from the back with all the wind. And then most of the people that survived were people who were very, very tucked into their homes and also, I, I believe the the hospital, sorry, the hospital station was in that hurricane, so it was very hard to get help. And so, looking out to all the um, neighboring colonies, and um, really give Dominica a little bit of support. And then, in um, a few other lines, they said how 
they had a list of the important people that died because um, very influential people at that time also died from that hurricane. And then they also had a list of a few other islands that were affected by that same storm through reports that they had heard. And I, I loved that their tone in the report was, I wasn't there, but my sincere um, condolences to the island. You know, it was mm -hmm. very um, heartfelt, the way that they described it. Even though they weren't there, they were acknowledged that this is not my experience, but I don't, and I can't possibly understand how it was happening. But, and that tone is um, very comforting for the people reading it who identify with it. So that's what that's what really stood out to me in that report. Yeah, thank I you so think much. I for understood that. clearly when I go ahead. Yeah. Oh. Um. I'm sorry. I was saying that I understood. I understood more um, clearly why they did not really post hurricane news in the newspaper. Later on, when I was looking at dispatch notes from Dominica's governors. I realized that they were not really too eager to just to um, let everybody know that something bad that happened in Dominica. They were very much, they very much preferred to do on their own unless it was too difficult. So um, a lot of newspapers ended up not having a lot of information about hurricanes or any stories from other people. But the dispatch note also gave me the first hand accounts of the hurricanes that happened in those times. Like in 1834, there was a there was a devastating hurricane that nearly washed away the entire of Kalimo. They were found wow. they were finding new things that that had happened during the hurricane every day, new reports all the time, and all these reports were first-hand accounts of the people writing the reports during the hurricane, from p.m. when it started to 3 a.m. when it stopped. It was first found all over Kalimo. It was that was the glitch I had found in the archives that day. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for sharing that, Kayla. No, I, no, go ahead, Adam, go ahead. I was just going to add something on this 1813 hurricane. Um, and I was reading earlier, Your Time is Done Now, which is another book about the Maroons by Polly Patullo. But mm -hmm. the, were, the intro is written by, um, by Bernard Wiltshire. And one thing that was really interesting in there is that the 1813, the time when the hurricane struck, was at the height of the Maroons. You had a population of 20-something thousand and 800 at least were up in the hills, had escaped the plantations and were bravely living in a, in a, a state of freedom, a state within a state, as it was referred to at, at one point. Of course, they were constantly facing attacks from the, from the island's uh, colonial militia and they had to move in itinerant camps. And there, was, there were some chiefs um, who'd been up there as many as 40 plus years before they were captured. Unfortunately, the 1813 hurricane, because of the ways that it destroyed the provision grounds, and we know historically how important the ground provisions that are grown on the provision ground as, as a means of, of independent cultivation, not working for somebody else, not, not growing, not growing um, sugar or growing coffee for the plantation on which you're enslaved, but being able to have your own independent food source that you can then trade at market as to why the market is still so vibrant and that underpins the entire agricultural history of the island is this, is this, is this provision ground. Now, unfortunately, the hurricanes destroyed much of the provision ground, many of the crops that the Maroons had up in the heights, and also destroyed the canopy, so exposed many of them in their hiding places up in the heights. And so it actually led to this governor called Ainsley at the time, who would have been the same governor who was writing those dispatches, who was a bloodthirsty, very sinister man, mm -hmm. um, going on this, on this rampage to essentially try and exterminate the Maroons. But what was interesting was that in this moment of chaos immediately after the hurricane, there was, there was a story, and I remember it so distinctly, of this woman called Hester. It was an enslaved woman who had hurt her leg during, um, during the hurricane, and she'd gone to Roseau to get medical help. But as the, and the, the book is basically using all of the documents from the Maroon trials, so when they'd been tried and taken to court and all the documents that were basically claiming as to why they should have been in trouble and all of this stuff, in these documents, um, Hester had basically gone to town with her children to get her leg treated and then she claims that she then met a man, a black man, who took her to Castle Bruce and from Castle Bruce she escaped into the heights to her freedom. So amidst the melee and all of the chaos of the hurricane, there were actually some moments at which people were able to find their roots to a short-term kind of freedom in that point as well. So 
Hurricanes, in a sense, whilst they cause a lot of destruction, they can also throw the social order up in the air, and sometimes the order lands in different places and enables some freedoms which weren't previously there before. But as we know, in the case of the Maroons, um, it also caused a lot of destruction and devastation to people's lives. And so it's sometimes you have to read against the grain of the archive a little bit, which is what Patullo and, and Wiltshire have done in this book, to be able to, and I'm sure uh, Fontaine and Lennox in his book um, do as well, to be able to find these, these, these moments when, when hurricanes really shift the course of, of people's lives and sometimes enable a, a way of being free as well. Yeah, and I, and I think we can certainly see the, the important role, the integral parts that hurricanes have played in the history of Dominica, as well as the other Caribbean islands as well. Uh, Delia, I want to come over to you because we've talked, to, we're, I'm, I'm really happy we're talking about mapping the hazards in Dominica using documentation as well as oral history telling. But we also talked recently about unplanned settlements in Dominica and how these as well have contributed to these places being hazardous because they were unplanned communities. So kind of tell us a little bit about some of these unplanned settlements and how they emerged. Well, Simon, remember in all the Caribbean islands, not everybody is able to own their own home. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have people living as tenants and when a weather system affects housing, most landlords are busy worrying about keeping themselves safe and their tenants are the least of their worries. And so what happens is that once you've had the passage of a storm, then people find themselves homeless and sometimes helpless. Mm -hmm. And so you find that people have to find some sort of housing and necessity is the mother of invention. So we have these little communities springing up. So for example, that is how Fly City, now Silver Lake, mm -hmm. began following the passage of Hurricane David, you find that a lot of these people who were now homeless and all over the place, they came together, they collected whatever material they could get and they found this piece of land and they started building on it. So if you speak to the people at Silver Lake, you will find the people from Castle Bruce, people from Lubia, people from all over the place settled there and a new community sprang up. Francola is also a similar um, settlement where following a hurricane, people collected what materials they could get from the companies selling lumber and galvanized and so on. And you have the general chaos that follows the passage of a system, people are trying to get as much material and stockpiling material that they would not have been able to purchase. They didn't have the purchasing power, but now it is free for everybody to get. So people get it and then they begin building houses and all that needs to happen in Dominica is one person needs to successfully implement an idea and the ball gets rolling and other people want to copy it. So you might find that one person decided, let me put up a little shack in that area. And in less than no time, a new community has sprung up. We have that happening all over the island. There is Yanda, there is um, Benawabin, all of those settlements where people try to create something for themselves and they become established they are places on our maps and because you have people from all over thank god dominica is not so big so we can trace where people are coming from but in speaking with people then you understand that there is a common thread your desperation your vulnerability where you may choose to settle in a, a place that's not necessarily the best place, but it is the only place that you have access to that you can lay claim to a little piece of this blessed land that we live on. 
and so at least you can if god protects you you can have something to leave for your children coming behind mm -hmm. don't take into account how safe these areas are is it a low-lying area that is prone to flooding? Is it an unstable slope that mm -hmm. would be very prone to landslides? We don't take into account those things because at the time that we need shelter, which is a basic human need, then we're not concerned about all these things. But sometimes it ends up causing some sort of disaster for us later down the line. But that is how life is. And we hear all of these stories. People may not actually have it written down, but we hear it and we understand and sometimes we even experience it. Yes, yes, very well put, Delia. Thank you so look, much. Look for at, sharing. for example, um, what happened during Tropical Storm Erica. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought that Petit Saban was a, a, a stable community. Mm -hmm. And then this thing came through and lots of people lost their homes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to Petit Savan, you would know that there were really lovely homes in wow. the area. Mm -hmm. Some people are still paying their mortgages really? on those buildings that they have had to abandon because the area is dis declared a disaster zone. Mm -hmm. And they had some really lovely houses there. Mm -hmm. But what can they do? And can I... Can I, yes, go ahead, Adam. Just to pitch in briefly is that we spent a bit of time in Pitivan as part of the project, and we recently made a short film where we were invited by some of the, the guys there to join their, their Kubmer, where they're rebuilding their road. So mm -hmm. since, since Erica, the road um, from kind of Stowe area, the one leading up from, uh, I guess, it's Bagatelle kind of side, um, hasn't, hasn't been being maintained all the way to Pitivan because it's been declared abandoned. Um, and, and yet many residents still have homes there that they go and stay in. And also they, their Bay oil factory is back up and running and has been for some time and their, their livelihood basically resides there. And so we, we were invited along to the Kubmer and I, 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 I mucked in and did my best to provide what little muscle I have to join in. Um, but also what we realized was that we were welcomed with open arms and they invited us to record when we were there, just with our phones. And so my wife who joined me, she recorded a short documentary, which we which we put on our on our YouTube channel. So anybody that's interested, we can we can send the link to that. Um, Annabelle, if you're listening in, please post the link in the chat if you're able to. Um, but one thing that really came up there was that the was how important their livelihood their livelihood is and how important their place is to them. And that a hurricane or a, a tropical storm, as was the case, despite everything that they've been through. It, it doesn't it doesn't take away their historical attachment to their place and Absolutely. many people said that if they if they cut off ties with Petit Savan and if they stop going back which some people have been forced to because the memories are just too painful um but if they do they feel like they'd be leaving behind their ancestors in order that their ancestors worked oh, for my. so many still go to harvest their bay rum they go to get a breadfruit to get their yam dashim whatever it might be, uh, Starrett, the, the gentleman who runs the, um, who runs the Bay Oil Distillery and who's a real stall in the community, um, he, he says it perfectly himself in the film, so I won't try and mimic that. But um, one thing as well, and I don't want to take too much time, but just going back to the, the stuff about informal settlements as well, um, so much of that is owing to the history again of the island and that from the 1760s, which sounds like way back old time irrelevant, but what happened in the 1760s was that the British came to the island and the first thing that they did was that they just portioned the island up. They got surveyors and every single tract of land which they were able to portion up and create private property of as if it belonged to them, they decided to do that and then they would sell it off to prospective overseas buyers from the UK. So from that moment, the commons, that is the moorns, that is the hills, the valleys, the forest, from that moment that became private land effectively. And so what happened after emancipation, so we fast forward nearly 100 years to 1838, when the enslaved people were told that they were free. They said, you're free, go check your scene. But when they said that, what they told them was that if you want to not work on this plantation anymore for these tiny, tiny penny wages that we're offering you, then you're going to have to move your house, which belongs to you, but the land doesn't belong to you. So you have to go somewhere and you can live there. And what happened was that many people, and Lennox has spoken about this many times, and 
Delia has spoken about this many times as well. They moved into what's referred to as the King's Three Chains. That's the thin strip of crown land. So that's common land, which belongs to, belongs to the, the colony at the time, um, effectively, where they'd be able to squat, which wasn't private land. So that's the kind of the thin strip on the coastal area. Now we know that these areas that have become very built up as a result of that, places like Newtown, places like Maho, all along the, the West Coast especially, um, are some of those that are most prone to, to sea surge. I mean, uh, Miss Tida, even in conversation with your husband, he's spoken about how the sea would enter the home at a certain point in, in La Pointe at the end of um, yes. attack in him, in him telling his story. So it really is, it really has affected people's lives. And so the other, the other thing was that where people were able to get enough money to build their own houses, they were positioned on the fallets, on the drop on the marginal lands, the craggy lands, those that weren't the kind of the prime real estate for cultivation. Um, and so as a result, those those areas are also prone to landslides and so on. And similar with areas like Savannah and so on, um, the, the small peasant French cultivators, and especially the indigenous Kalinago, as the British were rampaging through the island, they were pushed to the East Coast. And some of those areas as well, as we know, are quite prone to landslides too. So often it was the case that power, who had the money, who had the means and who had the power, determine who could live in safe places and who would live in the more vulnerable places. And that has repercussions now for the for the present where people sometimes in many cases aren't even even able to get mortgages because of where they're or aren't able to get credit because of where their lands are situated and what their houses are deemed to be, be worth because they're in, in hazard areas. So all that is is important to be mindful for as we're thinking about his history, where we've come from, to thinking about where we're where we're going. I hope I hope I haven't taken it onto a we can all agree that the work that survive in storms that the the work that they're doing is quite significant and i think we can already see the implications for dominica and the caribbean region in a whole so again this was the first part of the pre-recorded interview via our facebook live program and i will be sure to bring you the second half of this very important interview next week and as a matter of fact i'm trying to get as much exposure for this project as possible. So I might even try to get this program onto Q95 with maybe Dr. Thompson Fountain on his show on Sunday morning. So I think it is important. It is important to share this work. It is important to, to share the work of uh, Dominican and Caribbean people so that we can get as much exposure as possible to the work that we are doing out there. So again, I want to thank them for uh, gracing us with their presence on the Facebook Live uh, to tell us all about the important work that they are doing. So it looks like we're quickly running out of time. Uh, unfortunately, we will not have a tip of the week this week, but I will be sure to squeeze it in um, next week as we journey along. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for spending this time with us as we journey together. Uh, as you know, we always post the featured videos on pushpast10.com. So P-U-S-H P-A-S-T, the number 10.com. If you're a first time listener, welcome to the program. And this is where we go to see the videos of the interviews of all the inspiring guests who have uh, visited us over the last year, the last year and a half. And there's also a link to the YouTube channel uh, for Push Past 10, where you can find every video that we have ever done for this program. So again, check it out, pushpast10.com. Uh, the featured video this week will be uh, COVID-19 uh, survivors speak. So the actual stories of the survivors of COVID-19, which we talked about last week, we were going to do our Q95 program, Roots Connections on Q, with um, the survivors of COVID-19. And what a successful program that was. So we got lots of positive feedback from folks who were on the fence about receiving the vaccine and are now willing to receive the vaccine because because of the stories that our survivors shared. So I went ahead and posted the video of that program 
to push past 10 so you can take a look if you miss the program on Q95. So don't forget, we also have the past podcast of the episodes of Untapped Potential on the website as well. So if you have some downtime, you can always come back and listen to the past podcast of the program. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being here with me for another episode of Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. You know it, you know, of course, I always look forward to being here with you, to getting the week started off with you. So I hope that you will set your reminder. You will be back next week as we continue to get powered up for the week ahead. So don't forget your life story is your strength. Remember to tap into your potential each and every day. Remember to stay strong, stay positive, and stay engaged until we meet again next week. At the same time, I wish you a healthy, productive, and happy week. And I look forward to being in your presence next week at the same time. So you have yourself a wonderful week.